it's great to be with everybody. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit of what God's laid on my heart as part of my calling. Um, it's really a repentance message, ultimately. I mean, Jonathan and I met in 2010, and we met over sort of two concepts. Uh, our mutual friend, Rick McKinnis, uh, who's a leader in Connecticut, said, you got to meet this guy. And it was someone else who was trusting God in a financial faith walk. And uh, me from coming from a business background and Jonathan from a uh, faith or church background. And, um, and so we met and we, we had this whole discussion. And one of the early things that he said to me, which has always stuck with me, and people now know it as part of DNA's calling, is Babylon refuses to mourn, but my people will mourn before my return. And when he said that he heard that, I like jumped out of my skin because I was like, oh, God's really been speaking to me about what does Babylon mean? It's not just modern day Iraq. And um, of course, that's a, that's a reference to Revelation 18. And Babylon is really uh, the great harlot that symbolizes the world system in ways that the devil has uh, devised and deceived people with. And so I'm going to start this talk with a little bit of my testimony. I'm going to start it in 2001. So at, in 2001, I was working at Morgan Stanley in a job that I had really desired my whole life. I was in a career in investment banking, um, and I was uh, part of the financial institutions group. So we were the bankers calling on the banks. We were uh, facilitating M&A um, as well as capital structure for the largest commercial banks in the world. And so in, in, in that year, um, something very profound happened uh, to me. It was August of 2001. I was at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel um, in San Francisco, and I was praying because uh, I was concerned that I was about to lose my job. And Wall Street had been through a very difficult period. Uh, rounds of layoffs were already occurring. The tech bubble burst in 2000. And um, as I'm praying, concerned about what am I going to do now, I've never not had a job in my whole life. I've never not had an income my whole life. Um, Lord, what do I do? Like, how, how do I handle this? Like, am I going to lose my job? And if so, what does this mean? And and I had actually been looking at uh, taking another job in another place. And the Lord took me that day in August of 2001 to Isaiah 52. And a paraphrase of the segment of scripture of Isaiah 52 is, Come out, come out, depart from there. Touch no unclean thing. I'll be your foreguard and your rear guard. And you will not leave in haste. You will not leave in flight. And for, for those who are familiar with that scripture, it's actually a parallel to Revelation 18. I didn't know that at the time, um, but it is a coming out of Babylon. That literally was, Isaiah was prophesying to the Israelites, to Judah, to the remnant, to come out of Babylon. Um, that had not yet happened, of course, but it was speaking to the future. And if you look, it's the same language that's in Revelation 18, specifically Revelation 18.4, which is, come out of her, my people, lest you will participate in her 
sins and receive of her her plagues. We're in the middle of a plague. We're in the middle of a crisis right now. And God can fashion a crisis to shape his people like the potter on the potter's wheel. And if you read Jeremiah 18, that's what that's all about. He can fashion a crisis to get his people back into the place and position he wants them in, to take them out of every slavery. So for me, I didn't understand all of that back in 01. Back in 01, I was thinking, okay, God, I, I think what you're telling me is I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm going to leave Morgan Stanley, but I'm going to be fine. I'm, I'm not to worry about this. And I took it as that. But what I didn't understand was it had a much deeper meaning. And, I, and, I, and this is now what I'm sharing. This is part of this Reformation message. In fact, it's like the message of Ezra to the people of God when they were coming out of Babylon. What were they coming out to do? To resettle Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, and rebuild the temple. That was the second temple. And that is likened to the situation we have today in the church. I believe there's a parallel between the first temple and the second temple in the Old Testament and the first church in Jesus' first coming and his second church in his second coming, preparing the bride for Jesus' second coming. That's really the other part and related part to the tendency of prayer is the preparation of the bride for the return. That's why we're having all of these talks and uh, incredible wisdom and revelation and insight about what does this reformation look like? What does this final reformation look like? What does it mean for God to take his people out of Babylon? So to fast forward, um, in 2000, I ended up getting this other job at Deutsche Bank. It was another good job. Um, and I was very thankful that that happened. I got that job in the middle of market downturn when other people uh, didn't get, weren't getting jobs and were still getting laid off. So I was thankful for that and wasn't really sure like where this was going, but I was just trusting God. I was really pressing in. He was wooing me back to him. He was increasingly bringing me more and more into being fathered spiritually by some incredible spiritual dads. Um, and then also growing in local ministry in the Fairfield County area, but in our church locally, which is St. Paul, it's a Lutheran church in Westport, as well as the broader church unity movement in um, Fairfield County, which is Southwest Connecticut near the city, New York City. Um, but at that time, like vocationally, um, we got this opportunity to come out of Deutsche Bank in to start our own firm. Um, that's the firm I still have today called National Capital. That was started as a hedge fund. And so we thought, the, my founding partners and I, I thought this was an opportunity of a lifetime. And I felt that this was God's gift. I felt also he was saying, this is not only your business, this is going to be your ministry. This is going to be part of your calling. And I thought, great, sign me up, love it. You know, it was just... And my model, my expectation was that this would be just a great business endeavor. and We would make incredible sums of money uh, doing it the quote right way, not uh, lying, stealing, and cheating our way through it. Um, but I had no idea what that truly meant. And it set me, but it set me down this path where I hung on to that by faith. I said, Lord, I don't know what's happening because what happened with our business is the business started off very successfully and then the wheels fell off the bus. 
and it put us into a crisis. It put us into what do we do now? We lost our seed capital. We had this incredible deal with Deutsche Bank. They put us in business. We owned all of the equity. And we were, I was thinking of it as we were going to be the, the George Soros who would do good. George Soros, as you may know, is a, a macro hedge fund manager. And he cornered famously the British pound, made billions of dollars. But he does, let's, I'll just put it, he'll, he does evil with his, with his money. He funds a lot of uh, things that are anti-Christ. So the way I looked at it was, well, we'll just do the opposite of that. We'll be the men in white hats, the hedge fund managers will do what's good. And what I didn't understand, but then God had to show me by walking it out. And I think that's key. That's actually key to take a pause there is if you're like me, if you're a Gentile like me, if you are a logical person like me, um, you, you will often think of things like everything's going to happen in a linear fashion. And, you know, just like, tell me what the plan is. I'll work hard and we'll execute to it. And I think that I started learning the walk it out journey of life, as I understand it, more of a rabbinic Hebrew style, which was not so cerebral. It was more of like, you just got to experience these things and walk through them with me, God, your maker, Jehovah. Um, and so, and so, so we were doing that. The, the business kept shrinking. We lost all of our capital. And I'm like, God, what happened? Like, why is this going on? You said you would bless us. You said that this is my ministry. Like, what kind of ministry is one that loses money? That doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm in a financial business. It's supposed to be my ministry. That means we're supposed to make money. Like, where's the capital? How come these things aren't coming together? And in fact, in my career, they had all often come together. I feel like by God's grace, you know, it's like, God gives us the desire of our hearts and that happened in my career. And so things went very well, but now things are going not so well from a fiscal standpoint, but things are going really well from a ministry standpoint. So that was all fine. And we had enough uh, in savings that it was fine for the moment, but the mentality of someone in our shoes who had a um, high cash burn rate every month, you know, or we needed an income which produced a $40,000 a month after tax cash flow uh, for what for the business and for life and for family and for giving and everything else. It, you know, that's how I thought about it. It's like, I need to have that income to do what God's asking us to do and who, who he's called to be and live in the homes that we're in and the neighborhoods we're in. And so um, what ended up happening was I started learning and I, I got the shift really in the beginning of 2007 where God in this shift showed me that you're calling your, your business plan, your business model is not what you thought it was. I have to show you, Greg, how to do business differently than the world does and how to run your finances differently than the world does in order for you to accomplish the ministry calling that I've called you to. So I care as much about how you make your money as I do what you do with it. So more of my thinking, which was really reinforced by church leaders, is, hey, you're, you're gifted at making money. So you make the money and you fund the ministry. That's how it works. That's your calling. And basically, God was taking me out of that mindset because it's somewhat of a false mindset. Why is it false? Because if we make money the focus of things, 
and we elevate it above God, that's idolatry. That's actually working together with the spirit of man. And so this behavior was reinforced, but then when I, I started getting the understanding, hey, look, the way you make your money is more important to me than what you do with it to help others, to build the church, to advance the kingdom. It started dawning on me like, well, wait a second, the whole way that our economy makes our money actually is in need of adjustment. It's in need of correction. What does this look like? It really is about business. It's about God loving people. And then he loves business because we as business people can help others. And it's not about um, making a deal, putting one over the other, taking what's mine, making this money, like whoever can accumulate the most wins. That's not God's mindset. His mindset is, is one of helping people, resourcing people directly within the business, not after you killed everybody to make your money and then you did some good with it. And so that, that shifted things for me pretty greatly. Um, 2000, so 2007, I started getting these new vision, this new vision for the company, um, which I sometimes refer to as a storehouse vision that has to do with provision and an alternative banking type structure. And then also the new breed of business that God wanted to raise up and was raising up a group of leaders, business leaders, who would follow the Holy Spirit in their business dealings rather than the almighty dollar or rather than conventional business wisdom. And so what does that look like? Well, what it looks like is we have to shift our mindset also further away, not just to help people, but not trust as priority, either our own strength or our own bank account. So it's really a being held back in our own self-strength um, and being held back in our own finances where God can show up miraculously and then say, see, I can provide for you with or without money. And that's really what ended up happening for us personally is we went through a crisis. We ran out of money in 2009. And when that happened, God was saying, trust me, I've called you to this. And there was a lot, there was, there, there was a big struggle with that. that. That was hard. It was hard to face like, well, when you have nothing, then what do you do? And I guess the, probably the best way of describing the mindset that we had had and I had had going into it as a family was, well, if God told us to do it, he's going to get us out of it. And the way I thought that that would happen is the big check would arrive, the capital would return to the business, something would happen with the money. Um, again, thinking about it in terms of monetary terms. But when the day came where we ran out of money and we had to face the music of that, God said, I felt he said at the time, like, I'm going to teach you new tricks. I'm going to teach you new ways of thinking. I'm going to teach you new ways of operating. I'm the God who can do things with or without money. And it really is that scripture in Matthew 4, 4, where Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we had to retrain ourselves with two hands tied behind my back that I couldn't do it in the old fashioned way. I couldn't do it in the old money-making way. Cause if I had chosen that path, I'd be abandoning this business ministry calling and I'd be going back to wall street or putting it into an analogy, going back to Egypt. And I think this whole 
testimony that I'm giving you is related to coming out of Egypt. God wants to take his children, like the Israelites, out of our slavery. What is our slavery? In the modern day, our hidden slavery is economic slavery. We are overly dependent on our income streams. We're overly dependent on debt as individuals in the nation and corporate corporations. Um, and we depend too much and trust too much in our money. And so uh, the, the liberation of this slavery um, is, is, I believe it's gonna come um, somewhat traumatically or dramatically, like we saw in the 10 plagues, the Israelites being freed. Like I saw an experience of being thrust into the desert well, now what do we do? I'm in the desert. Like I don't, money's not no good in the desert. So how do we get by? Well, the Israelites, of course, had supernatural provision. They had the manna that came every day. Um, and then there's this wrestling match in the heart of God's people. Let's go back to Egypt. The food was better. At least we had what we needed. It was, wasn't this terrible desert and wilderness. And they built that golden calf with Aaron, thinking this is the God who saved us, which was false. Um, so they went through that 40 years. Why? You can read about it in Deuteronomy 8. It was to test their hearts. It was to test, well, who do you trust? Who do you depend on? Do you depend on you or do you depend on me? And of course, with that comes the warning from Moses um, uh, to the people saying, listen, you're going to go into this promised land, and when you have vineyards that weren't uh, cultivated by you and how, live in houses that weren't built by you, it's going to feel pretty good, and you're going to be tempted to say, hey, I did this. Look at what we did. And I think that kind of mentality is a little bit of what we're struggling with today in America. Like, we look at ourselves as great. And yes, um, some of us acknowledge God, some of us don't, um, whatever that ratio these days is in the United States. Um, but almost everyone trusts in themselves and their entrepreneurial spirit and their, our economy and our banking system and everything else. And those days are numbered because I believe, just to cut to the chase, that our systems are being shaken and they'll continue to be shaken and they're actually going to be laid low. These global financial markets, which are really exported and pinned to the U.S. dollar and the U.S. financial markets and our Federal Reserve banking system, my understanding prophetically is that's going to be laid low. You can read about that in Ezekiel 29 through 32, where I, in 2008, when we were going through the last financial crisis, felt like the Lord say, these systems are likened to Pharaoh in Egypt, who declares, again, falsely, the Nile is mine. Look at all of what I built. Look at this great economy. And he's bragging about his strength. And we have bragged about our economic strength and our market's strength. And God is, God is saying that that's not going to work. He's going to judge that. And he is judging that, I believe. You can understand it. The first wave of that judgment was 2001. The second was 2008 in the financial crisis. And the third is now, which is this COVID-19 crisis here in 2020. 
Um, now, the, if you read through the scriptures, you'll see that it's a sevenfold judgment. It's, uh, in other words, it's a complete set of or waves of judgment that come through. And God in his mercy doesn't completely um, destroy the system that we're depending on falsely uh, right away. He, he, get, he uses it like the potter's wheel to prepare us to get ready to come off of depending on it. But make no mistake, without these crises, without these moments, we would never get out of it. We would just keep going with the golden calf that we've developed in our financial markets and banking system. Um, we are much more dependent on this system than we think. We, we Politically, we always talk about Wall Street versus Main Street. Oh, the government bailed out Wall Street, all those fat cats on Wall Street. Guess what? Wall Street and the banking system is tied into everything we do, everything. It's not just the, the fat cats in Manhattan who make all the money. Um, it's everybody. Everybody's feeding at the trough. Whenever you buy a house, you need a mortgage. Guess where the mortgage comes from? It comes from the markets because that's where it gets securitized, packaged up, and resold. It's all tied together. And as the Federal Reserve has continued to unleash the monetization of debt or the expansion of our money supply, which is like printing money, yes, it is, it's like printing money, Thank God it's working for the moment, but I'm just here to sh share that it's not gonna keep working. It's eventually gonna fail. Um, we could go into the whys and the wherefores, but more, most of all, I believe it's gonna fail because God said he has to judge it. Why? So that we don't become a goat nation and we have the opportunity to be humbled and rebuild in the original foundational calling of the United States. And I think this is true for every nation that's called to be a sheep nation. Uh, the Bible speaks of sheep nations and goat nations. The ultimate showdown is the sheep nation is the goat nations against God Himself, uh, against Israel. That's called Armageddon, right? Um, but we're we're and we're it's things are getting polarized. We we have a choice. Like, are we for God and for Israel and His church, or are we against Him? And nations are deciding that right now. We're deciding that in our nation right now, in the United States. Other nations are deciding that. Great Britain is deciding that. Uh, you see what's going on in China with Hong Kong. These things are quickly getting realigned where you're either a nation that's for God or you're against him. And if you're for him, you can't be for him and for a little bit of the golden calf. You can't be for God and for a little bit of Baal. That's another mistake the Israelites made. And God, if God loves Israel so much that he calls them the apple of their eye and they had to go through these terrible judgments, why would we think or any nation think that they'd be scared? It's actually the potter's wheel. It's a gift. It's a, you can understand it. It's the Hebrews 12 disciplining of us so that we, because we're called sons and daughters of God. We all, we want to come out of this system, this Egyptian structure, so we don't get caught up in the rising antichrist system and structures that will inevitably become more and more powerful as, as the Lord returns, as, as history goes on. That's biblical. Revelation 13, uh, 18, I think, talks about the mark of the beast. What is that? It's not just tattoos. It's literally a, a lot, it's an allegiance and alliance. 
if you want your money and you want to conduct commerce and economy, you've got to align with this thing that's against God. That's what it's going to come down to. But do we realize that we're a lot closer to that today um, than we might think? If you just look at how our credit system is structured, how credit scoring works, basically we're conditioned to align with systems that are becoming like Babylon and God's calling us out of them. We're running out of time and I've got to wrap this up, but don't be afraid of a crisis coming. God has a great reformation that through a crisis, he can take us into the people of God that he wants us to be to come out of every hidden idolatry, every slavery, every false control, where we re-receive our inheritance as the church, and we can survive in the desert as well as we can survive in the lush plain. We can survive in the Negev as even better than we can survive in the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. We need to realize that personally and corporately, and there's a lot more to discuss about what does this Reformation look like. I'm gonna mention a website you can go to, newbreed.co or newbreed.business. Either one will get you there. I can put it in the chat. Go there. There's a lot of resources there, videos we've made on all of this, and information about this Reformation, including the alternative banking structures and how to resource the King of Advancing and how to help your community build the arcs within your community of church unity. Um, much more there. But I'm going to leave it there. and. Be blessed as you come out of any dependency that God asks you to get out of uh, upon money or mammon or income streams or anything other than trusting God first and foremost. Bless you guys. Man, 